So, Mr. Lester, thank you for coming in to our audition today. No problem. Now, it says here that you're the OG in charge of the disclaimer. Absolutely. I'm the boss. So tell us what kind of disclaimer we can expect from the boss. Well, the first thing I say is... Warn the viewers! Foul language! Drop some F-bombs! Hide the kitties! Who's the spoiler? Make folks angry! Ruin the whole show! Should've watched it first! Share my opinion! No one else is! Feel erratic! Wear a chicken suit, sit back and chill, enjoy the show, just get beat on Dub Talk, we'll talk you wrong! Uh-huh, so that's an average disclaimer from you then? No doubt. You post spoilers and peel radishes, hell yeah. And I think at one point you said something about a chicken suit? Nope. Actually, I'm pretty sure you did. Nah, that ain't me. Okay, well then, this has been eye-opening for me. I'm the boss. Yeah, you said that at 400 times. I'm the boss. Yeah, yeah, I got it. I'm the boss. Okay, great, I heard you. Hello, one and all, and welcome to Dub Talk, the podcast where a group of entertainers get together and discuss the latest and greatest in English dubs. My name is Stephanie, and I'm joined tonight by Hardy, Gigi, and Jet. Oh, you still got a dream. You still got a voice. I'm sure you heard above all the noise. Okay, I, I'm sorry. Oh, you're singing. Yes, I'm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about Robbie David. I can't sing. Yes. <laughs> oh, there it is. I'm like, wait a second. Okay. Show full of protection squad in the house. No. <laughs> it's just. Where's my cappuccino? I feel like I need one right now. Shit. Alright, tonight is a special occasion because we're here to talk about our very first kickstarted English dub, and just in time for the wide public release. We're of course here to talk about Pied Piper's English dub for Skip Beats, the 2009 anime series from HAL Filmmaker based off of the, and if you can believe it, still ongoing shoujo manga it's of the so same name. so good, I'm caught up, it's so good. I'm going to start reading the manga after this. You got to. I'm just like, I, sh I just yeah. need to save money. I need yep. to save money. I can't, because on my tablet, it for the for 40 volumes on my tablet, it's like 250 bucks. I'm like, fuck no. Well, I'm waiting. So what you're telling me is it's the Naruto of shoujo. <laughs> yeah, but it's good. <laughs> oh. Actually, you're not wrong. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway. So, so, so tell me, guys. I have a question. Tell me, have you ever loved someone to the ends of the earth? Uh, Not related, you mean? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait! That came out the wrong way. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was not my intention. <laughs> and it does not help the fact that I'm the only southerner in our group. So. Good night, everybody. It's okay, Hardy. We know incest is wins. Two okay. minutes in, and we've already got an incest joke. <laughs> just, it's a simple yes or no question. Yes. Personally, yes. personally, no. Yeah, I'm also gonna say no. Well, yes. 
Alright, Gigi, well, allow me to introduce you to Kyoko Mogami then. <laughs> Kyoko followed her true love and childhood friend Sho to Tokyo so she could help him reach his dream of becoming an idol. She cleans, cooks, works three jobs, and does nothing for herself because she loves him so much, but gets nothing in return. Still, she remains by his side, but then one day, she goes unannounced to his agency with a delivery and overhears him talking about her. He reveals to his manager that he only took her with him as a maid, and that he doesn't care for her at all. Upon hearing this, Kyoko doesn't just sit around and cry. She cuts and dyes her hair, changes her clothes and attitude, and thus begins her journey to join showbiz and have her revenge against show. I was setting that up to go into the summary. <laughs> Great. This is just like every relationship I've ever been in. Why do you think my hair has been so many different colors? <laughs> this is, this is well, Gigi, the anime. Gigi, the uh, well, anime. Uh, Minus the showbiz part. <laughs> Not necessarily. <laughs> yep. Well, as the old saying goes, hell of a half no fury like a woman scorned. <laughs> Absolutely. In this tale of revenge, romance, and radish peeling. Indeed. <laughs> Narima right, Daikon, as always, brothers? we're going to be... <laughs> <laughs> no. All right. As always, we're going to be talking about the dub of the series, most really just discussing the major characters of the show. Uh, we're going to go over the performances and our overall thoughts on the dub as a whole. Uh, we will not be talking about any predictions because let's face it, uh, this one's kind of slightly out of the blue and no one would really be able to make predictions without going through DV's means to do so because before this, this show was not licensed by anyone. Uh, oh, I'm going to have to correct you. It was really? on Crunchyroll for like forever. Crunchyroll it's doesn't there, count. Right? Right. Yeah, but the interesting thing was the interesting thing was is that due to the licensors in Japan, this show was not legally allowed to be released on home video without an English dub, and so mm. it went for years streaming sub only on Crunchyroll until uh -huh. okay, Pied Piper. Uh, put together a, first an unsuccessful Indiegogo campaign, but then went back to Kickstarter and raised more than um, more than they even needed uh, on the original campaign. So yeah, okay. that's right, the story that behind sense. it. And and just to kind of give some context as well as to how the hell, because today is the twenty first of June, and as I said, the uh, wide release is set is set or was released for. Um, the following Tuesday, just to give some context, all four of us did back the Kickstarter, and we did get uh, kick uh, start uh, backed it enough to gain copies of the release. Just mm -hmm. to give you a heads up. Yay. Um, don't tell. Don't let us. Uh, don't tell us that we had dub talk. Don't do nothing for you. My name's so. in it. You can find me. I saw it. I saw yours. Yeah. I think. Is I. I found what? my name too. I was excited. <laughs> Um, anyway, are we ready to get started on this magical journey of revenge and showbiz and maybe a little bit of ratch peeling along the way? Hold on, let me put my chicken suit on real quick. <gasps> okay, there we go. okay, you good? You good? Yep. Mm -hmm. All right. So we're going to start off, as always, with the ADR director and our head writers. Um, or should I say the script adaptation team, quote unquote, because this team is massive. Um, so... Our ADR director is one Mr. Talison Jaffe, who has also directed Beck Mongolian Chop Squad, Helsing Ultimate, and the original, as a matter of fact, uh, and Origin Spirits of the Past. Now, as for the writing team, mainly this discussion is going to stick to our two head writers. 
uh, those being Christian Lamont and J. Michael Tatum. Christian Lamont has also written scripts for Castletown Dandelion, Garl the Animation, and Maria the Virgin Witch. Meanwhile, Tatum is no stranger here for us. He has also written scripts for series such as 91 Days, Empire Corpses, and various parts of the Garl franchise. Uh, as for, we do have a, a separate script adaptation team as well. Uh, just want to briefly sh uh, give mention to them, but again, we're not going to discuss too far into it. Uh, the script adaptation team would include Miss Rachel Robinson, Chuck Huber, Talison Jaffe, our director, and Miss Deborah Crane. So, starting us off with director and our head writers. So, who's going to go first? Eeny, meeny, miny, mo, catch a tiger by the Gigi. So, this one, my dubby. <laughs> so. So I guess that's, you know, all I have to say about the writing and directing here. No, just kidding. I have a ton, a ton to say because the writing and the directing for this show were amazing. Like, I guess I'm going to talk about the writing first because this is where I thought the team really gave their all. I love dubs that have pop culture jokes in them. And this one has a ton of them there's a bit about wizard school there's all the snarky things that Shofua says like everything about it I am so in love with this script and this script was hard to adapt obviously you just heard Steph list off a laundry list of script adapters because there's a lot there's a lot of dialogue in this show a lot of it you know is in kyoko's mind so it's very hard to try and make even little parts of kyoko's mind different characters and have them each have a distinct voice and i think that the writing team did a a amazing which would be phenomenal and amazing mashed together job new word i know new word whoop <laughs> mic drop <laughs> those things are expensive you know you need to be more careful <laughs> Whoops. but uh oh god i just i love the writing on this so much and it's like a lot of it is pure tatum and i love tatum when he does the jokey writing i know few people do but i am one of them remember once i gave tatum a dubby for his writing too so i'm excited about that um as for the directing you can really tell that this is a passion project for everyone that was involved from the selection of all the cast i think this is california right so did they have a casting director M Majority is California. I believe the casting director. I know Mila Lee was a producer, um, and I, I think Christina V is involved as well. But give me yeah, like a sec. I mean, like I'm not completely sure, but I think those two casted it most likely. Okay, I think that's what it was. But I will keep going, but I'll confirm it real quick. Okay. Okay. So I just I think that everyone in the cast is was just picked in a way that like I wouldn't have thought of but I'm glad they're there so it just it made me really happy and I I do have to say that directing wise this dub has the best English dubbed opening and ending songs for an anime mm. I have ever heard usually they're a hot ass mess but like the ending song with Robbie Damon in it is like the best ending I've ever heard. The Vic ending is good too. Um, the opening sung by Erica is my 
uh, my more favorite of the two openings, but the original opening is good too. Like they just, everybody took this and, and ran with it. And you can tell that there was a lot of passion behind it. And it just, it makes me so happy to watch it and to listen to it in English because this was one of my favorite anime before it even got a dub and it just sat there forever and I was like oh yeah. finally it is here it is here I like relate to it so much it's just amazing okay and as a side note going back to the casting question so Christina V is the casting director for this series she also serves as a producer uh, meanwhile Mila Lee as I was mentioning kind of before uh, Mila Lee acts as the executive producer for the show but casting was from what it looks like, casting was Christina V. Good job, Cindy. Hardy, okay. you want to go next? Yeah, I'm in almost a total agreement with Gigi. Um, unlike her, I had no knowledge of this series before. I had never watched it, never read any of the manga. Uh, so I was going to this brand new. And um, as far as the directing goes, I cannot think of a single miscast role. Um I probably should have saved that for final thoughts, but I mean, let's get it out in the open right now. Just everyone brought their A game, and uh, and Talis and Jaffe especially is an excellent director, especially considering his work on Beck and and Helsing, mm-hmm. um, two dubs which I hold in very very high regard, especially in Beck's case because it had dubbed a lot of the songs, and it was another one of the shows that had really good English dub songs. Yeah. So, yeah, and. Um, and it's one of the reasons why you can sort of why these songs are so much better than you usually get is because they got Nathan Sharp, who is famous for uh, Nate wants to battle on YouTube for doing covers and original songs. He actually came in and helped them, and um, yeah, he did the. Also, um, he also did the insert song for uh, Show Fua Prison yes. during um, the second right. half of the show. Yeah. And not only that, but Christina V has a lot of experience in music. And they mm-hmm. also brought in one of my inspirations, um, Charles Miller, who's the lead singer of a good, a favorite band of mine, Godhead, who's also been in the, um, the oh, anime nice. business for a long, long time. Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, I have to agree with Gigi. These are some of the best English dubbed anime openings and endings I've ever heard. Uh, I honestly think that the Robbie's song could easily be a top 40 in the U- U.S. But, really but, good. You know, the, yeah. And as the writing goes, I needed to comment on uh, the pop culture references that Gigi brought up. Is that even though th- they do make pop culture references, you have to remember that this show technically takes place in 2008, I believe. And so even though the pop culture references are there, they are appropriate for that time period. They don't seem like completely, you, you don't hear a bunch of people saying that's whack or, or that is um, or any sort of stupid slang that you would hear today. So, that's so uh, I, woke, I like that they were. That's so woke. That's woke. Yeah. <laughs> if, the, if that was a line in the show, I was going to like fail it so hard. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, I like how the um, there are the Tatumisms there, but he doesn't go overboard on them. So, and when he does put them there, they feel like they fit a whole lot better. So, yeah, I, I didn't see any major problems with the writing personally. But then again, I don't really look into writing all that much. So, that's just my opinion on it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm just chewing my food real quick, Star. Uh, I'll go next. Um. 
so yeah, I, a lot of the stuff I'm gonna say pretty much mirrors everything that Gigi and Hardy just said. Um, in terms of the directing and writing. The writing is very interesting to me because usually I have... My, my biggest gripe that I usually have with writing um, is if there are references, uh, like pop culture references or slang or things like that, that'll possibly date the show. I actually didn't even notice it at all. So, and I, because, and I, that's a really big credit, I think, to both the writing and the directing, because it flowed so well, and all of the dialogue was just very natural to me. There wasn't anything that seemed out of place. There wasn't anything uh, in the script that made me like turn my head and want to do a double take or something. I just enjoyed the script so well, and it was well put together. And I know, and yeah, there are some Tatumisms that we know him for in there. But I think Christian Lamont being in there too kind of helps balance it out, which is a good thing to have. Um, and I mean, while we have harped on Tatum scripts before, we've also given Tatum praise on very good ones, and this is definitely one of his better ones. Um, in terms of the directing, wow. <laughs> like, this is a very, very solid show. And it has a lot of performances that I didn't expect to hear from certain actors. Some of them, some of them I could hear as a natural fit. And there's especially one in particular we're going to get much later on uh, that I know all of us are probably going to agree with. Um, and there's also some fun performances that you might not expect to work, but they do. And again, it just all just it's really well casted because again just like I, was, like I was saying it's it sounds so natural and it flows so well with the pacing and the comedic timing and everything and I just think it will it sounds it sounds so amazing like they they have very good comedic timing and even some of the secondary characters because one of the big things that I really picked up on with the show and because this is a series that has to deal with show business Everybody is so cutthroat in the show and trying to outdo the other person. And it makes those dramatic scenes work really well for both the main characters and even the secondary characters because you can feel that tension. And I just loved every second of it. And what's interesting with the um, opening themes is, and I don't think this was mentioned yet, they redid the song, they redid the songs entirely. That's right. Yeah, they played all the instruments and everything. Correct. Cause, um, oh, I didn't know and that. There's there's an extra on the DVD set, um, Skip Beat, The Beat, or something like that, where it's specifically about... It's like a, it's like a slideshow mixed with video footage of recording uh, the... Uh, the second opening, the first opening, and the insert, insert song, Prisoner. Um, and yeah, they did redo the instrumentals because I went back and I'm like, wait, there are drums in this? Wait a second. So I went back and listened to the Japanese version of the first opening and I'm like, oh shit, they redid the songs. They really put a lot of time and effort into this dub and I really, really commend them for it. Um, but yeah, I loved it so, so much. Uh, Jet, how about you? Okay, um, well, given the circumstances under which we got this dub, I wasn't, like, totally sure what the quality level would be, but it's really well-directed. 
Um, all the performances have a lot of energy to them, and um, despite the large number of young women in the show, they all sound more or less distinct enough from each other that you can... I mean, that I can tell them apart even when I wasn't looking at the screen, and that's always a plus. Mm -hmm. um, I also really appreciate how a lot of the comedy was handled since, you know, rather than going for, like, the usual high-pitched yelling anime thing or something like that. Um, the actors display a lot more emotional rage when it comes to, like, delivering punchlines, and that made... Uh, that made a lot of the material funnier than I expected it to be, and um, and I was really impressed with a lot of the casting. I don't, I can't think of anyone who I thought was like out of place. Mm -hmm. um, okay, well, uh, far the script goes. Well, I'm pretty outspoken about how I feel about J. Michael Tatum as a script writer, and if uh, anything, well, you're the most outspoken of us with it. <laughs> yes. And, uh, while I haven't talked about him in a while, my feelings on that more or less remain the same. Uh, he has, like, a really bad tendency to go wildly off-script and tends to, uh, kind of prioritize, prioritize his own writing style over what actually fits the need of whatever show he's on. Um, as a, uh, like Hardy, I'm new to this series, and I pretty much went into this blind. Um, so, I mean, so both out of curiosity, uh, so mostly out of curiosity, because I hadn't seen a show in Japanese before. I watched the dubs with the subtitles for the JP track on just to, like, you know, compare the two. And, uh, this, and, uh, the scripts are pretty different. Like, it's definitely not among, it's definitely not among Tatum's worst stuff, but it, it's pretty wild. Uh, a lot of the dialogue is, like, almost completely different from what was in the subtitle script, and, um, there were a few instances where the characters were saying things that were actually like the exact opposite of what was being said in the subs. I mean, I'd be a little, I mean, I'd be a little bit more lax on that if it was a comedy or, well, purely a comedy or something along those lines. And since this is also supposed to be a drama, it feels like going that far with the, it feels like going that far is kind of messing with the original tent just a little bit. And, um, like I said, in fairness, I did go into this blind, so it's not like I had. I mean, so it's not like I have a gigantic sink in this, and I'm not, like, particularly angry over it, but since this was Dudrook Hickscarter, it, I mean, I kind of feel personally that going this far off the script kind of defeats the purpose just a little bit. And it's a shame because I really dug the voice direction, and... Okay, and, like, it would have been a script that probably would have been my favorite dub from last year, but as it stands, it's, um... It kind of reminded me of how I felt about Attack on Titans dub, where... Where I really liked the voice direction, I really liked the cast, I liked almost everything about it, but the script. And, uh, well, I... Yeah, yeah, that's basically it for me. I swear that's probably about as negative as I'm going to be today. <laughs> that's very interesting that you said that. That it's vastly different. Um, I, I probably should have thrown some comics out there for me. I have seen the show before, um, but this was many, many years ago while in college... And at our anime club, before our anime club knew legal methods of watching anime, unfortunately. Even <laughs> um, the legal Crunchyroll subs for this were really bad. I mean, they were bad. Uh, so, uh, okay, yeah, they're like from the early days of Crunchyroll, and their translation team was not as competent as they are now. So, <laughs> now I get you. But I think, I, I mean, given the show itself, and what I remember watching it the first time and everything, I kind of have to slightly disagree in terms of it diverging from the story a bit. 
and making it a different thing. I think it stayed pretty, even if it diverted from the exact dialogue from the show, it stayed true to the, it stayed true to the source and true, it had its own heart and stayed true to that, honestly. Like, it stayed true to the show itself. Um, it just had to diverge a little bit for the sake of probably the dialogue, if anything. But, um, that's very interesting. I'll have to check the Japanese and go back to that. Um, do we feel like we're good to move on to our first set of characters? Yes, please. Yep. <laughs> Alright, so I know we were talking about my major characters, but there's two minor characters we're going to briefly cover. Uh, and they are the Taishos. Uh, Mr. Taisho and Okami Taisho. So they are, essentially, they act as Kyoko's guardians. Um, they let her, she, when she was living with Sho, uh, she worked at their restaurant. But when she, when they went her separate ways, she now lives at the restaurant. Um, so the Tai Shows, Mr. Tai Show is voiced by Mr. Michael McConaughey, who has been in series such as The Big O, Ergo Proxy, and Paranoia Agent. Meanwhile, Mrs. Tai Show is Elaine Stern, who has been in series such as Metal Fighter Miku, Gundam Unicorn, and Noeen. Uh, so... What are our thoughts on the tie shows? I'm actually going to ask Hardy to go first this time. Uh, okay, I'll be very, very brief. They only appeared during the first few episodes of the show. And when I first watched this dub, I watched the first nine episodes shortly after I got my copy. And then I went for several months without finishing until before finishing the rest of it. So... It's been a very long time, and I honestly cannot remember a single thing about them, honestly. But um, no disrespect to Michael McConaughey and Ellen Stern. I'm sure they did fine. It's just I. it's been so long since I listened to it, I can't really recall, so I have no opinion. Okay. Sorry. I'll, I'll briefly go next, too. Um, so unlike Hardy, I do have an opinion on these two. I think they're perfect. I like them. I enjoy them a lot. They're really good support system for Kyoko because that's the main purpose of these two characters. Um, Elaine acts as a pseudo mom, and Michael acts as a pseudo dad because Kyoko's parents aren't there for her. Like I think what was it? Her dad passed away when she was little, and then her mom just straight up left her, if I remember right. So they basically act as Kyoko's parents. And they're, they're exactly how parents would be, uh, or I should say foster parents for like an adoptive child in a sense, uh, where they do support them. They do tell them that they shouldn't give up on their dreams just to keep fighting for it. And Mr. Taisho, I love Michael because <laughs> when he's just sitting there like, you gotta go get it, girl. <laughs> go get your dreams. Gives her the knife. For the audition, <laughs> use this <laughs> secret weapon. It was great. <laughs> Radish feeling like, wait, what? <laughs> but yeah, I enjoyed them a lot. Uh, they're they're really good supportive characters for Kyoko, and that's the purpose of these two characters. Uh, Jet, could you go next for me, please? Okay, sure. Um, well, these two weren't in the show all that often, but I liked them every time they showed up. Um. Michael Bacate had, like, you know, a very kind of natural grandfatherly voice, so it's always a treat to hear him in something. And uh, Ellen Stern's, like, softer, more, like, motherly tone kind of played off that pretty well. And it gave the two of them, like, a pretty solid dynamic, so, like, I mean, they weren't in the show that often, but I enjoyed them. I mean, uh, my only other note here, kind of briefly, and I swear I will probably stop talking about the script after this, 
Uh-oh. As I is. <laughs> you keep saying that, but it's going to come back. I no, swear no, it is. No, it's not, no, like, I swear because these, this is literally the last bit of notes I have down. So okay. Done after this. <laughs> now, uh, so what I, like, briefly mentioned before is that the dub script kind of almost felt like a different show at some points. And these two were kind of the point where that came up a little frequently. Uh, because, like, in the dynamic between, um, Tai, between, uh, Taisho and Kyoko specifically is that, um, you kind of feel like Taisho, you know, kind of respects Kyoko's dreams and wants her to pursue them, uh, but he, you know, he doesn't like her attitude about it, so he kind of gives her, you know, the sort of tough loves feel. Uh, but the, but in the subtitle script, apparently it was more along the lines of he's actually kind of against the idea of her going to showbiz, mm. and he doesn't really like her new attitude that much, but, okay, but he cares about her, so he decides to support her anyway. And, um, that's a pretty clear distinction, and, um, like, and going between the dumb dialogue and, like, what was in the subtitles was a little bit off-putting there, but, um, Yeah. I mean, I mean, but the uh, script stuff aside, I thought these performances were very good, and Michael and Ellen turned in a very solid performance, and I really enjoyed them. All right. I'm done. <laughs> Are you sure you're done? No. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, I, sorry, sorry, yes, I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I sound like I'm being mean here. <laughs> it's all right. We, we have to be critical work counts, right? Yeah, I guess I guess someone had to be divorced in the sense that it just usually isn't me. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> it's, it's, it makes for a boring. It makes for a boring podcast if we kiss all the ass. So I mean, exactly. We got we gotta have some critical analysis here. That's how this shit works. Gigi, what are your thoughts on the tie shows? Um, I think it's funny that Jet you said that, and I think it's because I've read the manga that I knew that the tie show guy wasn't completely behind Kyoko which I guess is why when I heard him speak in the dub it didn't really sound to me like like he was completely behind her like even though the words were like yeah you know go for your dream like like I felt that he wasn't there because I'd read the manga and maybe it was something in the performance too I don't know as for them they are barely in this show Uh, Mrs. Taisho she's a good mom Mr. Taisho, he's a good dad. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, for for Mrs. Taisho, um, I kind of felt like she was very robotic in the beginning. So I got that kind of from her. And I don't know if that was a choice or if that was just like she's trying to scold Kyoko and not really, you know, trying to be mean, but just trying to be like a boss, like a boss. And uh, as for Mr. Taisho, like a boss, like a boss. <laughs> I'm bossy. Um, he's he's peel a radish like a boss. <laughs> <laughs> Wear a chicken suit. Oh, in a chicken suit like a boss, like a boss. <laughs> I, I, I felt oh, Mr. Taisho was kind of like the strong, silent type. I thought the voice almost sounded a little bit older than the character looked. So that okay. kind of took me out of it for a second. But, you know, they did what they could do. And really, because I love this show and I, I've i read the manga. Like, I think maybe I got something different out of it than other people did who were going into it blindly. So, like, I felt different intentions, like, more towards what the manga had intended just because I just recently read it and caught up to it so okay but good on them 
before we move on, I got one more. Voodoo dolls like a boss. Because <laughs> <laughs> Kyoko makes little voodoo dolls. You just made this disclaimer. I'm bossy. <laughs> like a boss. Like a boss. Someone's going to have to do that as the disclaimer now. Oh, no. It's dope, Watch for language. Like a boss. Yeah. Our opinions like a boss. Yes. Hardy, I vote Hardy now has to be a disclaimer. And do oh, no. Shit. What have I done? What have I gotten myself into? A rap career. You did it to yourself. You did it to yourself <laughs> like a boss. I need like to a ha- bow. <laughs> I'm on a bow. I'm on a bow. Chasing buoys, motherfucker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on a motherfucking boat. <laughs> so I will expect that disclaimer to me on by Saturday night, Hardy. Uh. Uh, <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> All right. Whew, trying to breathe. All right. So we're going to move on to. We're really going to start getting into the showbiz here. Uh, primarily, we're going to be talking about the staff of LME, uh, the agency that Kyoko eventually signs on with, with their Love Me division. Not to be confused with King DDD's NME, <laughs> which creates monsters to club it at their Kirby. <laughs> King DDD. Let's not make that confusion, no. <laughs> He's like a boss. I suppose we're going to reference a four kids dub at some point. God damn it. <laughs> All right. So the the first three characters from LME we're going to be discussing. We have Tori. Wow. Wow. Lori Takarada. He is the president and CEO of LME. Uh, he's also a very eccentric man. <laughs> like, that's an understatement of the year, honestly. Because, uh, what, he ri- he rides yeah. in on a horse, he dresses up in different costumes. Uh, I got it. Ooh, Ridma Boy! Pretty <laughs> bingo. much. <laughs> then we also have Takanori Sawara, who is... <laughs> God, I, I pity this man so much. Um, so he gets introduced early on in the show uh, because Kyoko won't stop fucking harassing him. Until she gets a shot to audition for the for the uh, agency, and he kind of acts as an advisory kind of role for Kyoko throughout the show, uh, much to his chagrin. Um, and then our third character we're going to discuss in this section, uh, Maria Takarada. She is Mr. Takarada's granddaughter. Uh, we meet her partway through the show when, because the story with her is she's trying to get over the death of her mom because she thinks it's her fault uh, and all this fun stuff and she hasn't seen her dad or talked to her dad in a while and Kyoko is enlisted to kind of help her get over that it's it's a long it's a long story uh, and they do very well within a span of a few episodes so the individuals voicing these characters as Maria, that is our executive producer, Miss Mila Lee, who has been in series such as Blaze Blue Alter Memory, the Fate Stay Night series, and as the lead for Vampire Night. We don't talk about that. <laughs> as for Sawara, we have one Mr. Keith Silverstein, who has been in series such as Copelion, Fate Apocrypha, and since it's fucking me, wait, I, I, I can't. I can't talk about Keith Silverstein without talking about motherfucking Johan Liebert from Monster. Uh, Wait a minute. uh, He's fucking Keith Silverstein? I can't can't believe he didn't mention Jesus on Spongebob. Wait a minute. (laughs) Wait wait a minute. That's motherfucking Hisoka? 
Yes. That's Ahsoka. You didn't know this? No. You didn't know Suwana was King Silverstein? No. Surprise, bitch. <laughs> what? My husbando, what have you done? <laughs> <laughs> and side note, he's also Ahsoka for Hunter Hunter. Uh, 2011. for, um... Uh, as for Lori Takanata, he is voiced by Richard Epcar, who has been in series such as Blood Lad, Ghost in the Shell, Standalone Complex, and JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Stardust Crusade Tours. Uh, so, let's see. Who are we going to have go first? I'm going to say it is Jet. Okay, um... Okay, so I'll uh, start so with Richard Epcar first. Um, it's... Been, it's I mean, um, I like Richard Epcar a lot. He's really good at comedy roles. I mean, he's... I mean, he's freaking Joseph Dosar in Stardust Crusaders, so so he very clearly knows how to play an, an eccentric old man, and um, he's pretty much doing the eccentric old man thing here. Uh, it was very funny. I definitely got a lot of laughs out of some of his lines. And I, and, I, and I appreciate how well he's able to go from, you know, kind of goofy, kooky, not goofy, kooky producer man to, you know, being able to be more serious and, you know... And, you know, tell his actors what they need to do when it comes down to it, tell it like it is. And I really appreciate how seamlessly he can switch between those two modes. I thought that was very well done. Uh, Keep Silverstein, well, he sounded very tired and annoyed, which is exactly what he needed to be. I especially felt sorry for him when Kyoko was, like, literally on a bike chasing him down. <laughs> I think the I think the best was when he's at home and she's just ringing the doorbell like, Mr. Sawada! And she's, she's just like literally hovering outside his window at one Yes. Point. He's, no, he's in the bathtub. No, he was in the bathtub and she's just like, Mr. Suwana, like hand just going on the glass. <laughs> the best. <laughs> uh, 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 anyway, so anyway, I, anyway, I got a lot of laughs out of that too. Keith Silverside was very funny there. Okay, and uh, and again, it was very nice kind of seeing him gradually coming to Kyoko's corner and how he how he slowly becomes more supportive of her. I thought that was very nice. And um, okay, as for Melo Lee, I really like how I really like how her voice is kind of naturally sort of fits the kid's voice very well. It's uh, it's not a very natural, and I really appreciated that. So. So it helped me buy into the character a lot more easily than if it sounded uh, a little bit more like an adult doing a kid's voice. And, so, um, and it was really good because I really liked that. I really liked her whole character arc with her kind of, uh, with her kind of doing like her weird feelings about her father mm -hmm. and uh, the distance between them. And, so, and especially how cute, especially how she kind of quickly becomes very attached to Kyoko. I thought that was a pretty neat little dynamic there. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I enjoyed all three of these performances a lot. They were very well done. Okay. Uh, I'll go next on this one. So I'm also going to start with Richard Epcar. Because Lori Takarada is such an eccentric little goober, and it's silly as all hell. Here's the thing. I'm not familiar with Richard Epcar in comedic roles all that much. <laughs> so this was a huge surprise for me because unlike half of the people that I am called that I'm friends with, I haven't fucking seen Stardust Crusaders yet. Oh so. my god! Oh my oh, god! There's always time for a oh, JoJo's no. reference. <laughs> not a motherfucking JoJo's reference. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not. 
I'm not extremely familiar with him in comedic roles, so this is very, very new and different for me. And it's just so much fun. I imagine him just having so much fun in the booth recording, especially those moments where he's at his most eccentric, like as a cowboy, uh, on as like this Arabian knight or prince or something on his goddamn horse, going through the buildings for some reason. Like, Mr. Takarada is a fun character, and I can tell that <laughs> I can tell that Richard is so much fun with it. Um, Mila, Mila Lee is Maria. Um, See, my previous recollection of Mila is from Vampire Night. We don't talk about that. <laughs> there's a reason why we don't talk There's about a reason that. why there's no dub talk classics episode of Vampire Night. No. Even then, it wouldn't be a classics episode. Fuck that noise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this, this, uh, here's the funniest thing. When I was in high school, when I first watched the show, I was in love with the fucking show. And now I'm just like, fuck no. I love um, the show. Don't. I was also in my Twilight fan phase at that point, too. Oh, so, oh Twilight. Oh, Relevant. Twilight. <laughs> Relevant, because Relevant tom uh, tomorrow, as of the recording this, here comes Devil's Line. <laughs> but Mila can be a bit on the obnoxious side, as an obnoxious brat, as Maria, but that's kind of what Maria calls for. Maria is can be seen as a, an obnoxious, spoiled little child at times. And it works really well. But then when she gets those moments, particularly in the first half of the show, when we're dealing with her story arc uh, regarding her dad and the death of her mother, um, she has those, she does kind of break down the wall and realize, wait, but dad loves me. Why are you telling me dad doesn't love me? And all this stuff and I think it's a really fun performance and like Jet was saying she does have a really fun dynamic with Kyoko too because uh, she sees Kyoko as a big sister that she never had before so it's a fun little dynamic there and they also have weird like bonding moments over like voodoo shit <laughs> over the voodoo dolls and the, the wish candle or some crap it's really interesting and then <laughs> oh Keith Silverstein Oh, Suwara. I am so sorry, Suwara. You have to go through <laughs> so much shit with Kyoko's shenanigans. Um, Keith definitely brings a fun balance uh, uh, to the show, uh, both as an advisory type of role, uh, but also he's, he has this nervous energy that a lot of the characters don't have. Because I feel like what's different with Suwara compared to a lot of the other major characters. Suwara is a bit more grounded and realistic um, compared to some of the other characters, though Mr. Takarada has his moments too, where he's very grounded. Um, but Suwara is probably the most grounded in terms of characters, major characters, and especially in this industry. So he acts as a really good super, like advisor for Kyoko because he's grounded in reality and it works really well but he also has this very nervous energy about him which i love so much because <laughs> he's kind of just like oh no not again <laughs> <Kyoko, why?" laughs> like it, it's a fun balance with all these other characters that are either very eccentric they have very egotistical personalities to them at points 
Keith's performance of Swat brings a very good balance to those kinds of characters, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, who am I going to have next? Hardy. I'll go next. I'm about to say Hardy. Yeah. You can go next. All right. Uh, starting off with Mila. Uh, controversial opinion, and this is of no offense, but in this standout dub, I think she was kind of one of my least favorite performances. I'm actually going to agree with you on that as well, so you're not alone on yeah. that. Yeah, but it's not to say that it was bad right. by no means. I mean, because it's just that the rest of the dub is so good. But um, I don't know. Something about Maria just didn't click with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not saying that Mila can't do these kinds of voices very well because she can. Uh, it's just out of all the other performances, she did seem kind of like the the one sort of eh, B minus to otherwise an A plus sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. But um, Keith Silverstein sounds really, really just like he's perpetually had enough of this bullcrap. <laughs> he's uh, five days from retirement. He's done with yeah. your bullshit. He's Danny Glover in <laughs> Lethal Weapon. And, uh, yeah, he's just, he's like, oh, why do I have, it's like anything but you, you know, it, it reminds me of that one scene in the, in the mummy where it's like the plagues of Egypt, I'll take them all, anything but you when he's dealing with Kyoko. And yet at the same time, he does genuinely want to see Kyoko succeed. And, and he sort of has this nice balance to where he's genuinely helpful and mm-hmm. he's just absolutely just dumbfounded just and fed up with her but uh but yeah it was interesting to see Keith Silverstein play both sides of that coin and um I'm gonna blow your mind a little bit here uh Stephanie oh god what you mentioned how you weren't familiar with uh Richard Epcar in comedies yes in comedies you know who he's been recently playing as in certain voice roles no what the Joker you're shitting me right now no, he's play, he plays the Joker in the Injustice video games. Well, f- there's the there's another problem. I'm not a video yeah, game person. Yeah, big video. <laughs> but if you were, but that's pretty you, cool though. Yeah, he's also was Bobobo a long time ago, so he's no stranger. Fuck. To okay, now now you've got me. I remember yep. <laughs> seeing that fucking show years ago. I forgot he was Bobobo. Damn. Okay. Right. I stand corrected, ladies and gentlemen. Look. It's not for you. Um, I forgot about that. But yeah. I can hear uh, it in my the, head now, too. Thanks. <laughs> Fuck. You can call me bold. Oh, 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 wait, 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 wait a second, Seth. Hmm? You've, you've seen all the old Disney Bond does, right? It's been a long ass he was time. A, he was in a Bond. <laughs> you know that. Wait, 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 wait. You wait. know that. He was at a Bond, you know, the whole Elvis Presley accent. I fucking the- quit. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know how long it's been since I watched Digimon? Because I'm like half the people in our group. I'm not doing your Digimon right now, which is a terrible decision on my part. Fuck. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. I, I go home now. I yeah, I. Uh, I think Mr. Takarada is sort of an interesting case in that not only does he have those great comedic moments, but he's also very. He also knows when to like tell it to him straight and so it's good seeing the seeing richard play both sides of the same coin and i might be alone with this but during his more eccentric parts 
Did anyone else get sort of an Ayame from Fruits Basket sort of vibe almost? A little bit, actually. Yeah. A little bit, and that's kind of fun. It's funny that you say that. Right. So yeah, it's all all enjoyable parts all around. Side note, before I get to Gigi, I like how you brought up when uh, Takarada knows when to buckle down and get serious. The end of the series when he's talking to Ren about his p- growth and progression right. as an actor. Like, despite the character being all this, all this eccentric, like, again, riding on a horse through the fucking building for some stupid reason... <laughs> Like, he knows when to buckle down, and he, there's a reason why he's the boss and he's the president. So, yeah. I, I liked those scenes a lot with him. Um, Gigi, how do you feel about these characters? Um, so, Lori, I kind of liken to Shining Saotome from Udapri because the world revolves around Udapri. Hope it gets a dub one day, Sentai. Um, but, uh, I really was looking for that over-the-top factor because I think think that Shining Saotome, who, if you've heard him in the Japanese, is completely crazy. He's one of those characters who inserts English words and everything and is completely over the top. And then he never tells the reasons for why he does things. Whereas Lori does tell the reasons for why he does things sometimes, or at least you find them out later. I was really looking for a level of over-the-topness and exaggeration out of the performance when he's, you know, riding the horse or doing his Arabian Nights entrance. And I didn't get it here. I got more of like a television announcer. So I think this was the part of the dub that I was kind of most disappointed in because in the manga, he goes freaking crazy. And it did get to that level in the anime animation-wise. I just didn't feel crazy in the performance like people are supposed to think that Lori is like this god like he's this out of the stratosphere kind of president of this agency and I just kind of felt like he was a boss again a boss um, like a boss like, like a boss like a motherfucking boss he had a good announcer voice um and I did like the parts again towards the end which god help us this needs at least two more seasons because you guys will this see, really does you guys would see animated even more of those levels and i think that you know richard Epcar could do a really great job performing those scenes but this is what i have to judge on and i liked him more as a little soft soft lorry than over the top which i didn't i didn't it didn't hit it for me um Mayla lee as maria and i said this when i wrote my dubby thing too Um, was the only little girl character I've heard in a very long time who didn't want to make me punch her into a wall. Oh, yeah, I remember you said that. So I hate little girl characters. I just want to kick them. I don't know what it is about English dubbed voices and little girl anime characters, but they screech and they drive me up the goddamn wall. This performance didn't, and I don't know if it's because she's supposed to be obnoxious. So I was like, I was prepared. Like I was already prepared for the obnoxious level to be high. And I got a really good level of obnoxious brat from Mayla Lee's performance. So I, I don't know, like I, I liked it. Um, I really also like the parts because Maria is an actress and she goes through all those acting challenges. And I liked 
the different levels that were there, and I'll say this again throughout the rest of the people who are actors in these agencies, but I like that you can distinctly tell the difference from between the real person and when they're acting. And I think she did a good job with the flip here and like that crazy exercise that Maria had to do with Kyoko and she was watching it and then she jumped in and I was like, yep, I get this, I get this. So finally I have found a little girl who I don't want to quote Steph punt into the sun. (laughs) And as for Sawara, who I didn't know was Keith Silverstein, Surprise, motherfucker! I am surprised every time I hear Keith Silverstein in a role now because he never sounds the same. Like, I, in my head and in my heart, he will always be my Hisbondo Hisoka. But in this role, I had no idea who the fuck it was. Um, <laughs> I, I love the fear that he has for Kyoko. I love the respect he has for Kyoko. And I love the disdain that he puts into Sawara's voice just for all the dumb shit that Kyoko does just to try and get her foot in the door. And this is a thing that I really enjoyed about this dub. It may have to do a lot with the directing too. I love that there are adults in this anime who actually Mm -hmm. act and sound like adults instead of petulant children or instead of like trying to sound younger. Like Sawara actually sounds like a grown ass man and not like, um, not like an alpha Ian Sinclair type of grown ass man. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He just sounds right. like a grown up, And I'm really glad that they sound more natural, I think. So I really liked that performance here. And yeah, I can't fucking believe that's Ahsoka though. <laughs> if I, you really want to hear a very different performance from Keith Silverstein, uh, let me point you in the direction of Johan Liebert <laughs> from Monster. Holy sweet Lord. My introduction to Keith Silverstein. Uh, let's see. Too bad I can't watch Monster legally. Hinting. Hint, hint, yes. Wink, shove, shove, poke, poke, nudge, nudge. (laughs) Say no more. If you happen to be listening to this for some reason, you know what to do. If someone, (laughs) if a licensed company is is listening, please fucking save Monster. I don't care who it is at this goddamn point. I just want to have the show. And you don't have to dub it either, because there's a fantastic dub already. Ugh. Anyway. Look what I did there. On? Are we good to move on? Yep. Yep. All right, so we're going to move on to our next two characters. We have Kane Kotonami, who is uh, another newbie to LME. She is also in the Love Me division with Kyoko. Uh, but she's, very, she's much more of a natural, talented actress, and uh, she kind of has an even worse attitude problem I think than Kyoko. She a bitch. She a bitch. <laughs> I love um, her. Sit down. <laughs> she's I love her too, but she is a bitch. Um, and throughout the course of the show she kind of just opens up a bit more to Kyoko uh, and she learns to trust in herself and be confident in herself too because there's a couple episodes in the midway point where she kind of struggles due to like a rival like he's following her everywhere. Um and then the other character we're going to talk about, Yukihito Yasuhiro. He is Ren Suriga's manager. Uh, and I, the fun, the funny thing I love about Yasuhiro so much is that he really wants to see Kyoko and Ren get together. 
And it's the most adorable thing when he's doing inner monologues and talking about shit like, Ren, what the fuck are you doing? You like this girl, you dumbass. <laughs> it's great. They're so dumb. Uh, they are so dumb. He ships it like FedEx. Hey! <laughs> hey! He does ship it so hard. Uh, so the individuals voicing these characters... As Kotonami, we have Erica Lindbeck, who has been in series such as Anohana, The Flower We Saw That Day, Bungo Stray Dogs, and Seven Deadly Sins. And we did mention this earlier, she also sings the second opening theme for Skid Beat. As for Yasuhiro, we have Vic Mignogna, who has been in series such as, of course, Full Metal Alchemist. He's also been in Durarara X2, as well as the Heroic Legend of Arslan. And he actually sings the second ending theme for the show as well. So, our... Th- uh- uh, uh, actually, can I go first? Because there's, there's a really obvious joke that I feel I need to just say right now. I was going to say Gigi, but go ahead, make your joke. Okay, let us all take a moment to be glad that Vic was not casting, that Vic wasn't casting show. Because you know someone else would have done it. No. <laughs> Don't that's even. mean. Now that's mean. <laughs> Why would I'm you sorry. put him as Shofua? <laughs> that's now that's um, mean. First I, I'm, of all, I, I, no, no, no. It, it's it's nothing against Vic. It just seems like oh, hey, angry blonde guy. Oh, that's a very Vic Mignogna niche show. I'm, so I'm kind of glad that they didn't go for something that obvious. Okay. But, <laughs> okay, uh, but, okay, but for where Vic was casted, I liked him a lot. Um, I mean, you know, whatever he said, something he usually does tend to be more of a leading character. So it is kind of nice seeing him get to play someone more supportive for a change. And, okay, and he is very supportive. I really like, I really like how much you can tell he, like, just how much he cares about Red, how much he's trying to look out for him. And of course, you know, how much he wants to see, like, Red and Kyoko get together, and all that stuff is very funny. Okay, and I know it's while, you know, while, while he is, you know, very polite and courteous, he's also, you know, not afraid to tell, tell like it is to Red, and he's very stern with him. Uh, you know, uh, kind of almost, like, kind of almost, like, he's almost kind of like a dad to Red. And uh, it's very interesting hearing Vic of all people just playing that kind of supportive, more fatherly role. And I appreciate that he does, act, and I appreciate that he does, you know, play it very distinctly like an adult. It doesn't sound like his Edward Network or anything. And, um, yeah, I like that a lot. And, uh, as for Erica Lindbeck, um, it's always interesting hearing what Erica Lindbeck can do things because she plays a different kind of character almost every time I hear her in something. Uh, like, the first thing I heard her in was, like, in Capellion way back when, where she was more of a leader type. Then there was your Lion April, where... Okay, where, you know, she's like a nice girl with a bit of an attitude, so on and so forth. And then in this one, she's just, she's very mean, but... <laughs> okay, uh, but, she, okay but, she's mean in a, but she's mean in a way where... Okay, uh, but she's mean in a way where she has a very clear attitude, but there's also something about her that you kind of have to respect in a sense. Abby... Uh, because, uh, because while well, she's like very harsh on people and like harsh on Kyoko specifically, um, like it's also because you can tell how seriously she takes wanting to be an actress, and how much like and how much of that how much uh, how much getting into the show base kind of means to her, and you can really feel that in Erica Lindbeck's performance. Uh, so, uh, she uh, she carries that sense of pride very well, and I really like that, and I especially like how well she plays off of Kyoko. 
Okay, uh, both, uh, both in terms of their differences in attitude and also how that kind of works into the comedic moments. Uh, because Monerica Lindbeck needs to be funny, she can be really funny. And so, and I appreciate how well she handled the comedy while also kind of maintaining the character's, like, prideful attitude. And, um, yeah, I really enjoyed these two. They were great performances. Uh, definitely unexpected casting choices, but they worked out very well. I'm done. Okay. Gigi, can you go next, please? Hardy, is this my favorite Erica? Is this Weeb Erica? This is Weeb Erica. All right, I knew it. I was like, I knew she was in here somewhere. This is my favorite Erica. So surprise! I, surprise! No, if you heard Kakigurui, you learned about my lovely Erica education, and I still can't get their last names right. Um, I love Kanai. I love her a lot. Maybe it's because, again, I've read the manga and I know why everybody thinks she's bitchy, but she's not really bitchy. She has a purpose behind everything she does. And mm -hmm. I don't know how far ahead these people knew the story when they dubbed it, but I feel that the performance has the levels that were needed to convey that if there were more of this dubbed later down the line you knew there there's something coming like there's a reason for it she's not just a fucking mean girl like um what's her face rachel mcadams in mean girls whose name escapes me and that's my favorite movie of all time and i am i need oh chocolate. wow now i'm blanking on it what too. The, shit what the hell is her name was it regina yes regina george thank you she is not a regina george um she has such confidence at the beginning in everything that she does and I think she makes a great foil for Kyoko she really does care for Kyoko and especially in the later episodes you can kind of feel that starting to poke through they're gonna be best friends forever they're gonna be best friends forever they're gonna have BFF necklaces it's gonna be so cute and but she also knows how to play a frenemy and she knows She's a professional at her acting job and you can hear it in the voice that she's going to reel Kyoko in. And I just, I love this performance so much because there, again, so many levels to it. You have to separate the real person from the acting jobs that they're doing. And Erica freaking nails it. Also at points, she had to be Captain Exposition and like this one inner monologue flashbacky thing that I was listening to and the writing was kind of stilted but she still made it interesting just with the inflections in her voice there's this is okay so I'm getting this mixed up because I haven't seen the back half of the show in the while she's the one who gets into the fight with that girl on the steps right or, right. or is that yes. in the around the fountain yes yes okay so I was bawling <laughs> like there's another character who we're not talking about the blonde girl but between the character named Erica actually <laughs> see how the I character's get... name is Erica voiced by Christina V <laughs> see see how I get shit confused <laughs> but that scene had me in tears like just with the performances alone like I was totally like just moved by the whole thing and Oh, God, it was, like, impeccable. I loved it so much. Um, as for Mr. Vic Mignogna, um, I couldn't tell this was Vic, and I thought it was Todd Habercorn. What? Yeah, uh, uh, I think you've probably just pissed Vic Mignogna off for life, having said that. 
I <laughs> it's funny because Todd Habercorn is in the show. That's probably why I got them confused because I saw both their names in the credits and I couldn't tell which one was which. I had to Google image search this character to remember which one it was because I couldn't remember by the name alone. And I interchangeably, Vic Mignogna and Todd Haberkorn, they interchange in my mind, except we know that Todd Haberkorn is really Todd Haberdom now. This character, <laughs> hashtag I know Kusabi. Yes, um, I know Kusabi is a thing that happened. I, I remember that was a thing. But this character was so soft. He was soft. I loved soft Vic Mignogna. He didn't try to like. So soft. So soft. Rub, so rub, soft. rub, rub. Rub, rub. <laughs> yes. So many past episode jokes here. Hashtag Royal Tudor season two. But yeah, he was so soft in this, and I really liked it. And again, it's another, it's another case of adults sounding like adults. Like I didn't get Edward Elric out of this. I didn't even get um, Tamaki from Oran, which was what I was afraid of. Um, I got none of that. Like he, Vic in this role was unrecognizable to me, which is really great for him because I can usually pick him out or I think he's Todd Habercorn. So either way, <laughs> so soft though. And his ending song's really good. Like mm. I knew Vic could sing because the only one piece I've watched has had the one piece opening with him singing it. Yeah. But I didn't know that he could sing with like such passion and stuff. And I really love that ending song. It was really good. So again, just this dub is just uh, like a boss <laughs> like a boss hardy how do you feel about erica and vic's performances uh starting off with vic um i, th I really liked how he was able to play the two sides to the character um it almost gave me it, i'm having oron flashbacks a bit because when he plays his serious side he gives me almost like kioya level vibes mm. like yeah he has to he he has this not really a goofball, but the sort of immature um, guy who doesn't take care of himself that he has to look after, doesn't eat right, doesn't sleep or like, like he's supposed to. And so he sort of has to babysit him. So Ren, in, so kind of in a sense, what you're saying is like, imagine if Ren was Tomaki. Sort of, yeah, kind of, okay. sort of. But then when you, um, when he has his little moments where he starts laughing or when he's shipping Kyoka and Ren together... Then you kind of hear Tamaki come out. Like, you can... It's like he plays both Tamaki and Kyoya at different points in this one performance. It gives me a... This whole dub gives me a lot of Oron flashbacks, even though it was never... Even though one was dubbed in Dallas and this was dubbed in L.A., I think they have a lot in common with uh, some of the performances. Like, how the characters react off of one another and such and such. It... it which is funny considering Oron is a 10-year-old dub and this is a 10-year-old show. So, I don't know, draw your own conclusions from that. But I liked Vic's performance. As far as Erica goes, I really can't add anything that uh, that Gigi hasn't already said. It was a, it was a tour de force. Um, especially as you see uh, Moko's... No one's calling her Moko. Why is oh, yeah. no one calling That's her Moko? That's her nickname. because I forgot... And, uh, like, uh, honestly, like, honestly, I blamed out a name for a second. Yeah. I, I did, again, too. I forgot about that. I had to Google image search, and I was like, oh, it's the BFF. 
Right. Yeah. I don't know anyone's name. Yeah, yeah. Kyoko's name for uh, Kyoko's nickname for um, Kotonami is Moko. By the right. way. But it was interesting seeing uh, her sort of growth as a character because when she's introduced, she is just sort of this spoiled, rotten person. And uh, gradually, as Kyoko breaks her down and as she has sort of a, a sort of a self uh, reflection upon her actions and such, we do get to see more humanity come out of her. And I think Eriko did that very well. So yeah, I enjoy, I enjoyed both of these performances immensely. Nice. Okay. Uh, let's see. Who am I going to start with? Uh, I'll start with Vic, actually, on this one. Because um, th- here's what this reminds me of. If you've seen Token Rambu Hanamaru, you know exactly where I'm about to go with this. Ah, uh, yes. It's the old gra- sword. It's Grandpa Sword Dad. <laughs> this, oh, is grandpa- this is Grandpa Sword Dad all over again. Except he's not a grandpa. He's actually because um, Yasuhiro is actually a rather mature adult, and that's what I really like about this. Because while a lot of us, or pre- pretty much like anyone who's a fan of anime, everyone's used to Vic is Ed, Vic is Tamaki, all of these other things. But my favorite roles, I think that at this point, because I'm growing up as he's growing as an actor too. My favorite roles are when he's at his most mature. And this is one of them. Like, this is a mature character with a very kind of a soft-spoken, mature voice. And he just fits really well here. He, he doesn't overdo it. He doesn't overact it with the personality or the comedic timing because this character doesn't call for it. And he doesn't even have to, which is nice, too, because a lot of the other characters around him... Specifically Kyoko, of course, though. She's a ball of energy in of itself, so he doesn't have to go that far. Um, but it, it is the most mature thing I've ever seen him. And when he has those fun little comedic moments, too, while you were describing him as the Kyoya to Ren's Tamaki, this is the first thing that I thought of. With, when he goes with those comedic moments and like shipping the two to Ren and um, Kyoko together, he's a giddy little schoolgirl. <laughs> like true facts, he's like a giddy little schoolgirl, like trying to like ship these two people together. Like, oh come on, Ren, you're such an idiot. Why are you so oblivious? It's so adorable, and I love it. And even with those comedic moments, because it kind of brings back to the point where he doesn't overdo it. He doesn't overact it or react more than he should because this character doesn't need that and I love that so much so this is definitely one of the most mature performances I've ever seen Vic do outside of Togen Rambu and outside of Garo um, and I enjoy it so much as for Erica oh sweet baby Jesus uh, she's she's a handful that one uh, so Moko I, I wrote a similar note for when we get to show uh, Shofuwa next, but I wrote that Erica has an ego similar to Shofuwa. She has, when you first meet her, she has this ego about her that she's gonna make it in the business. She's going to become this big actress. She's gonna be bigger than anyone else. And, but she also has a lot of spunk to her as a character, which is really nice too. 
And as the show progresses, kind of like what every, all of you have been saying too, as the show progresses, as Kyoko starts to kind of just get her to break her walls down a little bit more, she kind of becomes a bit more relaxed. And she's willing to open up a bit more too, which is very interesting. And I think the pinnacle for her storyline is the commercial audition that she and Kyoko did. Where... Yeah. Where... <laughs> Uh, where Moko has to confront, she has to confront this rival who uses her money and influence to get these jobs, and it, it had gotten to a point where she just kind of wants to give up. There's no point if she's going to keep doing this, but Kyoko kind of snaps her out of it. And it's a very interesting storyline, and the dynamic that she has with Kyoko is very well done, especially with with their little audition pieces because they audition in pairs. Like that's a lot of fun watching them bounce off of each other like that. It was a lot of fun. I love excuse me. I love I really do like Erica as um as Moko. It's a lot of fun. For me I think the bigger surprise was Vix, honestly, because it's a more quiet, mature character, which you never usually get to hear and I'm happy to hear it a little bit more often nowadays. Uh, but Erica's also a lot of fun, too. Are we ready to move on to some boys? Oh, my God. Gigi's favorite conversation. Oh, yes. oh, <laughs> Gigi's favorite <laughs> thing in the world one. is talking about boys. Let's move on to some boys. So, the next two characters we're going to talk about, we have Ren Sudaga and Shofua. Essentially, the two love interests for Kyoko Mogami. So, Ren is an actor at LME. He's a very, very well-known actor, very popular. Um, and he, his relationship with Kyoko is very interesting because he starts off very much hating her because her only reason for getting the show business is getting revenge on show. And um, he, he basically like, causes her a bunch of grief. Uh, but eventually, he kind of really starts warming up to her, seeing her progress as an actress. Uh, and getting to know her a bit more, and then he, he's actually, by the end of the show, he realizes, finally, that he may actually like her. Maybe. 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 Because the, the big thing, I think Ren's biggest arc is actually during the last few episodes of the show, when they're doing um, production for Dark Moon, because this is where the conversation about Ren's progression as an actor comes in. Because he's never been a romantic lead before. Because, and, and Takarada's biggest concern is the fact that he's not good with romantic relationships in his personal life at all. And he doesn't have anything to draw from. So that's the concern. And he has to try and get over it a little bit. And Kyoko unintentionally, un unknowingly and unintentionally helps him with that. Uh, and then we have Shofua. The reason why And Kyo then there's this a-hole. <laughs> Shofua protection. Now, get now rubber kids. Shofua protection. Get now rubber kids. I want a good clean fight. No hitting below the belt. <laughs> I only fight below the belt. Whoa. Oh my. <laughs> All right. Shofua. So Show is uh, Kyoko's quote-unquote childhood friend. There's a reason why I say air quotes. So like I was saying in the summary earlier, um, he decides to leave for Tokyo to become an idol. He convinces Kyoko to go with him. And uh, he essentially treats her as a maid and does not care for her at all. To the to when she finds out, she gets mad. Uh, and they go the separate ways and now she's on hellbent on revenge. Uh, but Sho is basically an egotistical little idol 
motherfucker. Little motherfucking dipshit. Sorry. <laughs> but. Oh no, please continue. <laughs> but you know who is not a dipshit? The people voicing these characters. So, as Ren Sudaga, we have Robbie Damon, who has been in series such as One Punch Man, Terra from Mars, and of course, he is most notably known as Tuxedo Mask for this Viz Media Double of Salem. As. As for Shofua, we have a Mr. Grant George who has been in series such as Fate Zero, Kill a Kill, and for you video game nerds out there, he's in Daigonrapa V3. I love Grant George so much! Which, which side note, I, I fucking got this right now. I'm hoping Andrew doesn't kill me for the V3 thing. Cause little, <laughs> something that I think never made it into the Anohana episode, I accidentally thought Ray Chase was the lead in Degarapa 3 V3 and Andrew got mad at me. <laughs> I think that got edited out, but um, yeah, I, I got it right this time. God damn it. I think I'm pretty sure, hopefully. Please don't kill me. Yeah, and I think this is the first time we're talking it is, about Grant It is, it is the first I time so, we're yeah. talking about Grant George on this show. I think I think maybe at least we've had predictions with him involved before, but never as an actual discussion before. So I've waited three go. years for this. <laughs> All right. So so thoughts on the boys, Hardy? Would you like to go first, please? I would. Um, well, first of all, let's get the trash out of the way. Shofu uh, <laughs> <Shofua> protection <laughs> squad. Grant George has been in this line of work for a very, very long time. A lot longer than most of you would probably even realize. Mm -hmm. um, he used to do dubs way back when, and yeah, he's he also done some work. directing here and there. Um, but, uh, so yeah, he, he's, he knows what he's doing. And one thing that he excels at is playing just this sort of cool, cold, mm -hmm. sort of just, you know, antagonistic little prick. And then there's and, V3. <laughs> and then there's V3, yeah. No, no. But he's always been so suave and so cool. And mm -hmm. one of the things about Sho is that he is indeed very suave and cool when he's not being so, you know, hateful and, and mean. Uh, and I think that is definitely where Grant, um, Grant excels at. Because, I mean, going back to playing Lancer in Fate Zero, um, you could definitely tell the influence there. And when he does get upset at and yells at Yoko, it's also really fun to listen to. Because he's such... He's just the worst. You know? He really is. He's just the worst. And and the, what I like the most is that near the end, he realizes that, hey, maybe I'm kind of jealous of Kyoko. Mm. Like, he actually does like her after all, and he's trying to convince himself that he doesn't. And I'm like, you should, that ship has sailed, buddy. You should have seen it when you had it. So, yeah. Um, but Robbie Damon, on the other hand, this is sort of a departure for what I usually have heard him as. Mm -hmm. uh, because usually you hear him as these sort of young, spunky, um, sort of uh, a, a, a energetic teenager characters, like in Tales of Zestiria or even One Punch Man, even. Um where he's got a, this sort of childish rasp in his voice. Here, he was very much smoother and uh, and more sophisticated. And he just, no matter how goofy Ren could get, he doesn't, he always sort of keeps this, that suaveness about him. He's always low-key, always very calm and collected. 
And it's interesting hearing Robbie play that sort of role um, as opposed to other roles that he's played. And uh, it was an interesting take on seeing him uh, go in this direction for this character. So, yeah, I really liked them both. Okay. Um, no, and I'm going to go next on these two. Oh, Lord. Aside from me getting Grant George and Ray Chase mixed up with V3. <laughs> um, so, kind of going back to what I was saying a little bit with Erica. One of the first notes I wrote about Grant George is that he has such a huge ego as show. And he kind of also gives off this bad boy image, which is exactly what show is. He, between Ren and show, if you're going bare bones stereotyping, show is the bad boy in the situation. Mm. And Grant George, I think, plays that phenomenally uh, to the point where <laughs> there are times where I want to punch this motherfucker. <laughs> too, it's too good. Um, and I just, I downright love it a lot. It's I, I, it's hard for me to really add anything on that Hardy hasn't said already. He's very egotistical, such a bad boy. He is willing to do whatever it takes to make it to the top, whether it's possibly having relations with his manager. Oh my. Whether it's trying to pick a fight with Ren, to which that was very tense and very awesome. Side note. Um, Ren's response is also the best thing ever. Uh, <laughs> but a lot of all of these facets that Grant has to play as show, I think he just pulled it out, pulled it off amazingly. And especially during the um, music video, the music video shoot that Kyoko had to do, um, you 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 get reminded as to why he he gets on her nerves so much. But like Hardy was saying, you also realize that he's coming to terms with the fact that she actually may have been a good person for him. And he just fucked it up. Hardcore. <laughs> Hardcore fucked it up. Uh, as for Robbie Damon as Ren, wow. <laughs> um... He's, he's very, very mature, but he's also... Robbie as Ren is very, very mature, but he's also able to show off this very obvious persona about him. Because a running gag in the show for Kyoko when, he, when she interacts with Ren is how she can pick up very easily when he's, he's just smiling for the sake of not wanting to get mad. <laughs> That's a running gag in the show. She can pick up on, like, with just with the fake smile, she knows that he's actually mad. So, I love that. That's, also, that's so much fun. But the biggest thing is, and similar to what Hardy was saying, this is a far departure than what I'm used to hearing Robbie as. It's very... I actually think it's a bit more gruff to an extent. Very much a lower register than what I'm used to for him, for sure. Um, but I think rougher was the word I first went towards. But I think smooth is actually a better way to describe it. It's very, like, low baritone, very smooth. Not 100% suave, though, because Ren is a dummy sometimes. Yeah, he's a big dumb. He's dumb. a big dumb dumb. He can he confides his deepest darkest secrets to, to a, a person a in a chicken, chicken suit. suit. Yes. Um, and I I just love it. 
so much. Um, but another big thing, and this is more towards the end of the show, because again, the big arc for Ren is the Dark Moon production, um, where he you, he really shows the wall that Ren has put up when it comes to falling in love. So it gives him some really nice moments to work with in his vulnerability and his growth and development not only as an actor but as a person and as a human being. Um, it's very interesting in seeing Robbie portray these different characteristics and this progression and growth in, the, in Ren's character is a lot of fun to me. Um, if Kyoko's performance wasn't a thing that existed, I would say that Ren is probably my favorite performance, but he's probably my second favorite after Kyoko, of course. Uh, let's see, Jet, would you like to go next? Okay, sure, I'll go. Um, okay, so I'll talk about Grant George first. Um, this is gonna sound a little bit weird, um, as, uh, but one of the things, but one of the very kind of interesting things about Grant George is that he has a very, like, a very kind of seductive voice. Like, it, I mean, like, not like Keith David levels of seductive, but it, it's very okay. up there. And, uh, and I feel, okay, and I feel like it's kind of very important to mention that because it kind of ties into how he plays show when he's like putting up the whole business persona, As a, uh, because he has like that very naturally suave, yeah, and smooth voice. Okay, and uh, okay, and it really, and you can really, t and it really helps to sell that he's a very popular actor. He plays up that attitude very well when he's on stage, and you can see why he has a lot of fans. I mean, but then, of course, you know, that's not how he is in reality. In reality, he's kind of like an annoying, spoiled mm -hmm. brat. And Grant George plays that attitude very well. He he gets all, he gets a whitey attitude down. And he, he makes the character sound like very kind of annoying. And, um, I, so, and I really like how well he played up the distinction between those two sides. I, th I thought it was pretty well, and it, and it definitely made the character a little bit more tolerable than it would have been otherwise. And um, it's, and it was very interesting, kind of seeing, and you know, kind of seeing him go through that little arc where he, okay, where he is kind of slowly starting to gradually starting to realize that maybe he did take Kyoko for granted, and, so, and that like and that maybe he kind of sort of does want her back. I mean, granted, I, I mean, I obviously haven't read the manga, so I don't know where it's oh going to go, God. but it's like, but personally, <laughs> okay, yeah, but per, per, okay, personally speaking, I hope. Personally speaking, I kind of hope they don't go too far with that, and that he, he doesn't actively pursue it because, <laughs> yeah, that, that 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 just seems kind of a little problematic for me. But uh, as, I mean, uh, but for what we've seen so far, I really enjoyed Grant Johnson's performance. It was very nice. Um, as for Robbie David as Ren, uh, it was very interesting because, um, like Hardy and Lilac, I don't normally associate Robbie David with this sort of thing. I usually I'm more used to hearing him as you know, like younger, mm -hmm. energetic characters, something like that. Uh, but the first anime I ever heard him in was in Sailor Moon as Tuxedo Mask, and that was like, and he played, uh, and he played at Mamoru as you know, kind of a very mature guy. So I've certainly seen him do that sort of thing before. But uh, even in Sailor Moon, he 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 could still be like a little bit goofy, like Mamoru's like very snarky, whatever he's talking to his hockey and stuff like that so he, he still had like a bit of attitude there but here he's just he, there's just like this very clear air professionalism that I haven't heard before from Robbie David it's very distinct like so, 
Yeah, like he's just very much all business almost all the time. And it definitely fits into the character's personality very well because Rand is very much all business. He takes acting mm -hmm. very seriously. And like and a lot of his conflict with Kyoko is that he thinks she doesn't take it very seriously. And so him maintaining that attitude works very well. But of course but of course Rand does have a more vulnerable side. And whatever and whatever that needs to be shown, Robbie David plays that up very well too. Um, and I definitely enjoyed all those little moments of comedy he got. Especially that whole bit where he was suffering through a cold, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, and of course, and of course, the dynamic between him and Kyoko is very well done. Uh, you can you can really feel that sort of love-hate relationship, and I really like the chemistry between them. And um, yeah, I think I'm done. I I really enjoy these two, but of course I'm on Team Red because she was an awful lot of person. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gigi, are you ready for your show protection squad? Show Because of, of course I got it. I I got I got. I obviously had to save you for last. Talk about your boys, right? <sighs> well, I've waited three years to talk about Grant George. We're gonna wait a couple more minutes because I'm gonna talk about Robbie Damon first. <sighs> Ren Saruga. Okay, so I have a confession to make. I do not have a best boy in this anime because I can't pick one between these two. On one mm -hmm. hand, you have Ren, who is like, I guess, the quote unquote good guy. And then you have Sho, who is the jerk face, who is what I normally like. So... I guess what you could say is just like it's the opposite of Kakegorui. It does not have best boys. It has least worst boys. Least worst boys. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was about to, No, no, no. Hold on. Gigi, you actually are you actually like the Vanilla Boy Ren? I do like the Vanilla Boy Ren. Oh my god. Because what is wrong with the world? He's not that <laughs> vanilla. He's not <laughs> that vanilla. So unlike everybody else, the only thing I've ever heard Robbie Damon do is tuxedo mask. So I I haven't heard him in much either if it make, if it helps out honestly. I mean, I I don't I don't know anything about him sounding younger. I know tuxedo mask. And I know Ren Saruga, and Ren Saruga is what I wanted out of Tuxedo Mask. He is oh. absolutely perfect as Ren Saruga. Um, he has the princely side down. He has the domineering side down. Like he can chain somebody up to a wall and nobody would be mad. Um, he has the little snarky bits down. He has the disdain for Kyoko that he just hates her and her motivations. And then when he starts to love her, my favorite scenes that he does are the ones where he's sick, where Ren Suruga is sick. Yes. And Kyoko is taking care of him. They are some of the most heartwarming scenes in the manga and translated into English and in the anime. Oh my god, I the shoujo stomach drops, they were happening cuz those are very very important scenes and everything that Robbie did acting wise there was perfect. Um I just I I I this is my favorite Robbie Damon performance. I know I said I've only heard him as Tuxedo Mask, but I was like you know, iffy on parts of it, but here I think he has every part of the character down i wouldn't change a thing 
And oh my God, if they ever animate more, oh shit. I don't even want, I would, I'm gonna be a puddle on the ground over some of the shit that can get animated and that what he would say. So I'm just, oh my God. Oh boy. Oh my God. It's funny that you said you hope the relationship between Kyoko and Shofua doesn't go any further. I won't spoil it for you if you haven't read the manga, but uh. <laughs> Whoops. No, I'm not because Sho is a freaking despicable character. Like he is, Ooh. he is a bad, bad boy. Like to the point where even I, Gigi, queen of loving asshole characters, I hate this guy. Like this guy. Wow, okay. An awful human being. And maybe it's because I've dated him, but not as cute 30 times oh. over. But I. <laughs> oh, Show Fua is a despicable <laughs> character. Now, when Grant George voices him, before I start to say anything about Grant George, if you do not know, Grant George is the ever lost member of my voice actor Reverse Harem, who I never get to talk about because he's never in shows that I watch. Other than Higurashi, which is what I know him for and what I love him for. So this was the first time I've heard him in like 10 years. And oh my God. Whoa, 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 Hold on. He was in Higurashi? He was the boy. Oh yeah, he was, he was the boy. I didn't the fucking know this. I only watched the Japanese. Oh, oh no. Oh no, girl. I stayed away from the dub because I've heard the dub is... God awful. I like the dub, but it may be because one of the characters' names is very close to my real name. So every time somebody says it, I'm like, who the fuck is talking to me? It's very <laughs> it's very weird. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, wow. So now I'm going to have to watch Higurashi for Halloween episode, Damn. dude. Halloween episode. Done. Let's go. Let's do it. So let's fucking do it. Um, yeah. So I haven't heard him in like 10 years. And when I heard this voice come out of Shofu's mouth, I was like, I hate you, but I love you so much. I'm very conflicted. I don't know how to feel because Shofu is like the worst kind of asshole. And I think Grant did such a good performance with his voice that even though I really wanted to like show because I like Grant George I couldn't like I just I really he brought so much hatred for me to this character because of his voice and I just was like oh my god it was crazy so shows he sounds like a complete douche he's a complete playboy um, but he also has, like everybody else was saying, that professional side to him where he's the actor. Um, the only issue that I may have with this is that I kept forgetting that show was supposed to be 16. I thought he maybe sounded a little too old to be a 16 year old, but I didn't care because the performance was so great. And just the little parts at the end where he's realizing that, oh, Oh, Kyoko, she she might be the one here. And I was just like, now I'm in love with you again. I don't know how to feel. My heart is doing flip-flops. Somebody help me. I need an adult. I don't know what's happening. And yes, so I was super happy to hear Grant George. And I'm super happy to finally talk about him on Dub Talk. I hope you're listening. And now you know that you're in my reverse harem at a solid number, I forgot, five. I think five. Nope. Yes. Yes, five. So please act in more things that I will watch because I I will not touch a fate series. Thank you. So now that we now that we uh, 
got our thoughts on the them boys out of the way. Are we going to move on to our final character of the night? Shofu, a protection squad. Yep. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Gigi is forever going to be on the Shofu, a protection squad. I am the only member, president, the only and the member. founder. God damn it. <laughs> All right. So, of course, we've been talking about this character here and there throughout the entire night. However, let's really, really dive in and talk about Kyoko Mogami, our lead heroine, who, uh, kind of like when we were talking about Sho a minute ago, uh, she g- follows Sho to Tokyo, uh, tries in order to help him be a star, but also she is in love with him, but that love is one-sided, she gets mad when he says mean things, she decides to get revenge. And decides to join LME and is part of the Love Me Division to try and get back at show. However, she does start developing a raw... She has a raw talent and she actually starts developing her acting abilities. And she starts taking it more and more seriously. Um, So, who in the world is voicing Kyoko Mogami? It's in a surprise twist... It's none other than Miss Caitlin Glass, who has also been in series such as Over on High School Host Club, the Funimation dub for The Vision of Escaflone, as well as Show by Rock. Um, I already know who I'm going to have go last, but who am I going to have go first? You know what? I'll go first on this. So, spoiler alert, this is my favorite performance of the entire fucking show. Uh, you're probably I not know. there. I know. <laughs> Let's throw it out there right now. Um... It's Caitlyn is Kyoko, like bottom line. Kyoko has Caitlyn shows so much spunk, sass, and high energy with the character all just rolled into one. It's great because Kyoko is has so much energy to her to the point where it could be a lot of spastic energy. Like she could potentially turn into a complete other spaz if portrayed the wrong way and thankfully Caitlyn does not do that <laughs> she did not do that at all um, and I love it and um, she, she another and her comedic timing is just fantastic as well um, the little spirit apparition she has in her head and the many voices she has for them while they're talking to each other about shit it's, it's great it's um, just such wonderful little scratchy and dark voices like I kind of like um what's a good example oh we did we need to show up show we need to show up up get our revenge it's great um and chicken chicken Caitlin is also very adorable when she's in the chicken shoot suit is Bo she's so adorable like, just lo- lowering the register, especially when she's talking to Ren, <laughs> and she just gets away with it. It's fantastic. But despite all of the comedic tommy- timing that Caitlyn does have, um, she's also really good at being that intense and almost spiteful to a degree. Uh, those very intense moments, those very vulnerable moments, whether it's the music video shoot, uh, where she she's very intense when confronting Sho, um, especially during that scene that they had to shoot where she's basically tossing him off a goddamn building. 
um, or during the Dark Moon production, where she really, really got into her character. Um, like that, that um, practice scene she did with the uh, the actress who played Kyoko's character, because Dark Moon, we find out in the show, is a reboot of a show of a similar uh, thing from like, what, 20, 10, 20 years ago? Uh, and the actress who plays, who, who, the actress who, um, the actress, there was an actress who originally played the character that Kyoko is now, uh, and she's very, very against an amateur actress and, like, going all this, but the scene that, that they play off of each other, where Kyoko basically has embodied this character and is this character, it's like method acting at its finest, basically. It's like Heath Ledger's Joker types, like, levels of good. It's insane. And it's, it's a really, really intense scene, and Caitlin plays it off very well. Kyoko is a very, very diverse character and a very, very complex character. There are a lot of sides to her. There are a lot of characteristics and personalities to her. And Caitlin just pulls it off flawlessly. And I commend her because one wrong step and this performance could have just suffered for it. So I really commend Caitlyn for it and I just downright love it. Um, Jet, could you tell me your thoughts on Caitlyn's performance as Kyoko? Okay, um, okay, so I'm obviously pretty familiar with Caitlyn Glass as an actress. I mean, I've heard her in a lot of things over the years. She was, of course, Winry in Fullmetal Alchemist. Um, she, sorry, and, um, she was, of course, in Oran, and another time I enjoyed a lot. Um, okay, uh, but, uh, uh, but my experience with, with her over the years has always been very interesting, because, uh, she's always been a very good actress, but there was never anything in particular that made me go, like, oh, crap. And so, um, she was always just, like, very enjoyable in a lot of the things I've heard her in. Um, uh, so it was, uh, definitely very interesting seeing how she handled Kyoko here. Uh, because, like Steph was saying, uh, Kyoko is a ball of emotion. She goes through a lot of different phases. Uh, we, uh, we see her do a lot of comedic and spastic stuff where she's, like, really over the top and crazy. Uh, we see, uh, we see her in, uh, we see her in, like, these really heavy acting roles where she has to be very dark and serious. And Caitlin plays this, and uh, Caitlin plays all of that up very well. And where there's this very cold and powerful attitude that I've honestly don't think I've ever really heard in a Caitlyn Glass performance before, so that was very interesting. And then, and then of course, we see that very vulnerable side to Kyoko. As um, as I add a lot of her insecurities, as uh, part, uh, particularly uh, particularly in how she's always kind of depending on others to uh, sort of fill the void she has inside. And I'm not entirely sure if that's supposed to be, like, she suffers from codependency, but that's kind of the vibe I got, and it's a, it's pretty interesting seeing a shows or series of all things tackle that, but, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. And, um, so, um, so seeing how she tackled that side of the character is very interesting, and she definitely, and she definitely still made all of that vulnerability. And then, like, and then, of course, you know, there's Kyoko's very sunny and optimistic, an optimistic disposition whenever she's interacting with other characters, you know, especially Moko. 
and, and uh, Caitlin played that up very well too. It's just there's this really wide range of emotions, and Caitlin Glass handles all of them very well. And uh, it was especially interesting hearing this because I watched this around the same time as I did Escaflote, which was another Kickstarter dub that Caitlin Glass started. But uh, we do, we don't we don't talk about that Kickstarter. <laughs> Okay, and I and I really enjoyed her in that show, but here this she was just on a whole other level, and um, she really blew me away. It was actually my favorite. It was actually my favorite dub performance from last year, to be perfectly honest. And um, it like and seeing her in this role, how she handled that variety of emotions, all that intensity, it was it was kind of a moment for me where I went from you know Caitlin Glass is a pretty good actress to. Wow, Caitlin Glass is a great actress. And, yeah, that's all I have to say. Okay, Gigi, how do you feel about Caitlin's performance? Oh my god. <laughs> well, I used to think Caitlin Glass was born to play Haruhi from Oran High School Host Club. Now I believe she was born to play Kyoko in Skippy. Kyoko is such a complex character like you may not think it to begin with but as the series goes on and as you see all these different facets to her personality and you take into consideration all the different voices that need to be used in order to play her so you need to have like the spastic fangirl voice at the beginning when she's fangirling out about Shofua you need to have like the professional attitude when she's at her jobs um, you need to have her like get very very angry very quickly when she's you know show betrays her you need to find her like falling in love and deciding how she feels and being very conflicted she's also very lonely like this character runs the gamut and she has to because this manga is still ongoing and at last count i think it was 259 chapters like i think Jet was saying earlier, this is the Naruto of shoujo manga, which it really is, except it's it's not obnoxious. I've never found Kyoko to be obnoxious and or like I've found Naruto at times. So in order to have somebody play all that in an English dub with words flying all over the place, like Kyoko talks so much and just Caitlin Glass oh my god like she blew me away I just I I didn't know who could possibly when this was announced who could possibly voice her especially if it were going to be an LA dub because I'm not very familiar with the LA actor pool personally but I was just hoping that they would find somebody who would capture the inner spirit of Kyoko and I think Caitlin Glass did that in spades just in her serious moments i was crying with her like in the in the spastic moments i was freaking out like i didn't know where my heart wanted to go like i said before there is no best boy is it run is it show is it run is it show wow i hate show wow i hate when wow i love them but it's like i feel so much for this character and i felt a lot of it because of caitlin's performance as her like i didn't feel it even though I really like the manga and I couldn't feel the level of emotion in the Japanese performance as I did in the English one here, which is a, a real testament 
Um, I just think the range in this performance and all the levels that she had to go through were just amazing. And honestly, I couldn't imagine anybody else ever playing Kyoko. And like I said, I, I think Caitlin Glass was born to play her. Like it was just a match made in heaven. And I'm so glad that they flew her out or brought the production staff in whatever they did in order to make this happen because it was just mind blowing. Hardy, I had to save you for last because there are reasons. Yes, there are reasons. Um, as you all may no doubt remember, for last year's Dubby Awards, Stephanie, Megan, and I all got together and tried to decide who to include for the female fan vote. And more than anyone else that we nominated, I fought tooth and nail to include this performance in the fan vote. Mm -hmm. Because I believed in it so strongly. And the only reason, the only reason we didn't include it is because... Of a lack it, of a wide release at the a time. A lack of a wide release at the time. Yes. Now that that wide release is here, all of you behoove it be upon yourselves to listen to this release because I am not exaggerating. And these are lofty words when I say not only do I believe that this is Caitlin Glass's best performance of all time. But it has single-handedly elevated her to my single favorite voice actress ever. Damn, son. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Shit, yeah. okay. Wow. Another side note, I don't think Hardy got that far in mentioning this either. He actually gave Caitlin one of his dubbies for best performance last year. I too. gave her best performance, and I think I gave Skip Beat in general the best home video release i believe yep. you did so yeah. did i yes mm -hmm. because in anyone else's hands this could have been a disaster kyoko is such a complex convoluted quirky and just bombastic character in every sense of the way that anyone else would have had such a difficult time to do it and not only was Caitlin able to do it justice, but to perfectly embody the spirit and 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 sense of the character. It is just fantastic and spellbinding. And so, yeah, um, there is no greater honor I could say. If ever you've kind of wondered if Caitlin could pull off a certain type of voice or certain type of characteristic. She has done every single characteristic imaginable with this one performance alone. And yeah, that's uh that's pretty much it. If you have not listened to this dub, you really need to listen to this dub. So that's all I got to say. All right. So clearly bottom line you should watch the fucking show in the dub. 
bottom line, like by all accounts. Uh, perfect segue, I guess. We gotta go into final thoughts. I'm gonna ask, hey, Jack, could you go first and give me your final thoughts on the English dub for Skippy, please? Okay. Um, so, okay, so, like I mentioned at the beginning, I did have, like, problems with the script. As I am, as I am mostly that it kind of seemed overly liberal as a, in a way that kind of felt like it sort of defeat, defeated the purpose of being a Kickstarter dub to me, but, I, as, I mean, but at the end of the day, um, like Steph was saying, it does more or less retain the spirit of the show. I just kind of wish it was a little bit more faithful on that end. Uh, but putting my issues with the script aside, like, the performances here are really great. The direction is great. Like, it's just stellar all across the board. Especially Caitlin Glass as Kyoko. It's just a really phenomenal performance. And it's really, and I'd say it's worth listening to the double O to the dub just to hear that one performance. It is really fantastic. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I, ha I mean, I have my issues with it, but, like, Oh, I mean, but the reception to the dub is positive, so I—I I mean, so I guess that's as good a sign as any. Um, it's—it's it's certainly worth watching. So, give this show a shot. It's cool. All right, Gigi, could you go next, please? <sighs> uh, so just before what I want to say about the show, huge shout out to Pied Piper Inc. and Anne and everybody who is involved yes. for taking a chance on this show. And kickstarting it, even when your Indiegogo kind of fails, which I pledged for that too. <laughs> but I was like, I, oh, like, I, I didn't it. even know it was a thing until I heard about the Kickstarter. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I was just like, thank, thank you so much for taking a chance on this 10 year old show. It is one of my favorites. Just, I love everything about it. And please continue to do the work that you do. If you'd like a suggestion list, I have a great number of shoujo titles that need to be released in the United States and the world for people to hear in English. So, but thank you for doing this, for taking a chance, for all the fans like me who have been waiting for this for years and years and years, who've bought omnibus among omnibus of manga to catch up because the anime left us in such a stilted place. And hopefully maybe if Japan does the thing that they're doing right now, where they seem to be rebooting and continuing things from like 10 years ago, they pick this up and you guys decide to do another Kickstarter. Hopefully it will be just as successful. On that note, again, this won my dubby last year for home video release. It won out over Diabolic Lovers More Blood, which y'all know. I mean... <laughs> I mean, it's a better show. It is a better show than that. But but y'all y'all know how much the the vamps, the dirty vamps, mean to me, and it won over that. And I just I want everybody to watch it and listen to it because the dub is phenomenal. It has things in it that are good that I haven't heard in years, like a good English opening and closing theme, like just the care that was put into this alone, the passion for so many people. Just watch it for that. I mean, if you don't care for the shoujo melodrama, the shoujo trash kind of shows like that this is, still listen to it. Caitlin Glass is just crazy good in it. I, I can't say anything else other than I please, please very much implore you to, to support this release so that maybe more of them will happen because it is really good. It's really good, you guys. And other than a few tiny issues that I have with it, like, I, I just, I can't believe I liked 
a show this much with with the dub because I usually have some kind of problem with something but this one was very very minimal and I'm just floored so it's hard to make me speechless friends it's hard oh wait if David Wald were in it it probably would have been even better <laughs> humble suggestion there for any future is. projects there you go there it is <laughs> hint hint wink wink nudge nudge say no more poke poke shuff shuff <laughs> rub rub <laughs> oh god all right <coughs> excuse me hardy your thoughts your final thoughts on the dub yeah i would also just like Gigi. i would also like to say thank you so much to ann and pied piper for all the very hard work that they put into this and to the dubbing studios because i've been burned out by kickstarter on a few times yeah um, obviously wakfu comes to mind if i was to name that one but it's it just the sheer level of honest work and transparency and just effort that you see on and her company put into these sorts of releases because she she did exactly the same for time of eve and that also came out spectacularly well um which you should also check out if you have a chance that's a great movie but uh but yeah just the fact that so many Kickstarter campaigns are just so poorly run, you see someone like Anne doing such a bang up job, and and the dubbing company and um, and uh, Mila Lee and and, um, and Christina V and others work so very hard putting this dub together when they could have just slapped something together and and called it a day. No, they went the extra effort. They put forth the they step the extra mile to redub the songs, to re-record so much dialogue, to put in a phenomenal performance from Caitlin Glass, from the entire cast, that, you know, it just... It makes all the difference in the world. It's, it just puts a smile on the face to know that something I could help bring into this world by giving monetarily... Something that I, my money could help create something so great. It's really and truly an honor that I was able to be a part of this personally in a, a small way. And so, yes, I absolutely implore you, if any of you who have not yet listened to it get the chance to, please purchase and support the release. And I guarantee you will not be disappointed. Okay, so... I'm going to preface this by saying I've never kickstarted anything before in my life. Really? Yeah. Like this wow. and this and Escaflone, because both their campaigns were around the same time, actually. Um, they fact, were the first ones that I ever backed. In fact, there were three uh, at the same time. There was this one, Escaflone, and Riding Bean were all going on at yeah, once. Yeah, I remember so being was, really broke. Uh, yeah. I yeah, don't know anything about that. Aria where they... Yeah, that's an Aria with the first one they ever actually decided to back. Yeah, and now I've also backed Aria and Gunsmith Cats, much to Hardy's delight, of Woo-hoo! course. Because, <laughs> um, <laughs> of course, he'll never get off my fucking case if I did. <laughs> but... Gunsmith Cats for everyone. <laughs> All reviews must be Gunsmith Cats! They're not Master Keaton anymore? <laughs> 
And Master Keaton. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I walked into that one. Um, in term, But the big thing with this... Because I... I couldn't really... I'd never tried Kickstarter before. I'd never backed anything before. I was hesitant on how things like this would go. And I am just thoroughly surprised with this show and the dub for this in particular. It It's a labor of love. It's really what it comes down to. This dub is a labor of love. From the direction and writing to the casting to like everybody was saying the fact that they redub the theme songs it is just an entire labor of love and like hardy was saying to be a part of that journey and be in some small way that makes it all the more exciting for me and it's i just oh it's awesome but the direction, the writing, the casting, the performances, everything about this dub. Holy mother of God, this is amazing. <laughs> it's very, very solid. And despite some small hiccups in the writing, which I didn't get to bring this up during my writing, when we, when we talked about writing, because I'm a dumb, I'm a dummy, and I f didn't look at my notes. Someone said fucking drama llama at some point. <laughs> I want to say it was Moko. It's not bad, though. Ugh. It's not bad, but it was really odd to me. <laughs> like, wait a second. <laughs> but, um, despite the small, s there was some small hiccups with the writing, now that I look at my notes again and I realize this. Um, despite that, just downright phenomenal. Like, if I had seen, if I had actually watched the show, because it was on my list to watch before we recorded the Debbie Wars, but I didn't get the chance to go around to it. If I had watched it, it probably would have beat out some of my actual winners from the dubbies. Including whoever- I forgot who I had for Best Actress, but... Caitlin would have been up there. Um, but... I'm really happy to have seen the show again, to finally own it. And I'm about to go buy me at least the first few volumes of the manga, cause... Yay! I, I, I need this. I need more of this in my life. <laughs> I'll tell you it's, where it's the a... anime stops and then you can just buy from there. <laughs> no, I'd rather start from the beginning, honestly, and just have it. It's fine. Um, but yeah, this is such a labor of love. And yeah, like like everybody has been saying, thank you to Kickstarter and Pied Piper. Well, not Kickstarter. Thank you to Pied Piper and Anne and everyone involved in this this wonderful, wonderful labor, labor of love. Uh, it turned out spectacularly, and I am excited to see how Arya is going to turn out, since they are partnering with Nozomi on it, and um, any other future projects you guys come up with. And on that note, I think we're going to be calling it a night. So if you are interested in catching the English dub of Skip Beat, the only way right now as of the recording of this episode is through the home video release. There is no legal streaming method to watch the English dub of Skippy as of now. So, the only places you can buy the home video release as well as of right now is through Right Stuff or Pied Piper Inc.'s own website. Those are the only two places that I could find where you can buy the show. It's not even listed on Amazon, believe it or not. 
So those are the only two places where you can buy the show. Uh, if you want to catch, if you want to see the show in general and in the Japanese, it is still actually over on Crunchyroll, so you can go and watch that. They do offer a 14-day free trial of their subscription services, but you it is not required uh, to watch the entirety of Skip Beat. Uh, but I think I speak for all of us here when I say it's worth the fucking buy. Buy it. <laughs> yep. Especially, mm-hmm. especially if you want to support more Kickstarter projects from Pi Piper like this. Um, as for anything that we do here, uh, you can follow us on DubTag. Of course, my s- best way here to do it is to subscribe to the channel here. You're kind of already here, so why not just hit the subscribe button at this point uh, if you've stuck with us this long. Uh, we also have a Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and Twitch page. All of them are at DubTalk Podcast. As for if you want to see or hear anything else that us fools here do... Uh, again, my name is Stephanie. I am on Twitter at like anime review with review being spelled R E V U E. Hardy is also on Twitter at Spaceman Hardy, and he is also a forum moderator and a f- moderator on the Discord for Funimation. <coughs> Excuse me. Gigi is on Twitter at Anime Palooza. She also has her YouTube channel, Anime Palooza, where she does Lord knows what <laughs> half the fucking time. Bitch, watch my videos. I, how do you think I got hooked on fucking Udaprey? My shining glove, you son of a bitch! My work here is done, ladies and gentlemen. I hate you. Uh, and then I have to go. My planet needs me. <laughs> and then, as for Jen, you can follow him on Twitter at Divine Nega, uh, and he's also a writer. On the f- for the fandom post doing seasonal stuff. Uh, is there anything else you do right now, Jet? Um, I also occasionally write things on my blog on base Infinity, and for this season, as far as fandom post stuff goes, I'm doing My Hero Academia Season 3, so I must obviously do this feel. United States of Smash! (laughs) The dad we all need, but don't deserve. All Might. Thank you, All Might. Thank you, All Might. Spoilers for My Hero, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I think that's it for us tonight. Is there any other final final closing words we want to end on tonight, folks? Shofua Protection Squad up. If you actually like Shofua, write hashtag protection squad in the comments. <laughs> There's our secret code word. There's your code word. Oh. Side note before I forget in terms of the Skip Beat release. Uh, officially, the wide release is June 26th. In theory, this episode should be out the following day. Uh, if not, that Friday. So the, the release is wide. So you can pick up... By this point, you can pick up Skippy, just not at the time of this recording. Um, anyway, because I'm dumb and I forgot that part, and I pulled up the right stuff date specifically for that reason. <laughs> Alright, any other final little things to sign us off with? Ooh. Or should I just, or should I just say Otaku and we'll call it a fucking day? <laughs> do the thing. I do the thing. Alright, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, it's been a fun night. Hardy, why are you still in the chicken costume? Don't judge me. <laughs> I don't comfy? ask you how you live. I don't tell you how to live your life. Don't tell me how to do mine. Gosh. Is it comfy in there? or? Eh, 
kind of downy. You're all so bossy. <laughs> yeah. Like a boss. Like a boss. <laughs> Doing the Good outro everybody. like a boss. <laughs> Good night, everybody. You know, talk about my friends. Love your like faces. Pretending that you can't see all the things you could be. Even you should know better by now. It's one last chance. A shot at the big time. Don't be afraid. Lay it on the line. Dreams that we have. Dreams that we have. The happy, the sad.